You are now listening to the Socks and Sandals podcast. Every time an independent, a truly independent source goes into the Portland Place Bureau, we find chaos. Just one of the people like just told to my managers who like had fired me, they were like, yeah, did you see Tevin's video was on Complex? And he was like, man, dog, they sick, man. Yada, yada. And I was just like, I was laughing because it was just like, you know, bro, like, you know, God, God always got a plan. In that moment, I thought, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to sit here in the middle of this aisle in Target and talk to her and break down what is going on and why she believes that these white Barbie dolls are more valuable or should come home with us over these brown and black Barbie dolls. The Egyptian creation story is a very sexual one. Mm -hmm. And it talks of the god creating himself through a sexual act with himself. So it's a masturbatory big bang like. like I never even hire coaches when I establish a program. I always hire mentors first. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because a mentor gets the big picture. Coach might just get basketball. I want somebody that under X's and I want somebody that's about whole life. I'm not the only podcaster out there. You're not the only marketer out there. Like there's a lot of people doing the same things. But the things that's going to separate you and I from the rest of the people is that we become our best selves and we just don't quit. So what is the gospel? What is the pure, unadulterated yes, gospel? Yes, yes, and that is what I live by, because the moment this changes is the moment I'm leaving Christianity. Okay. The pure, unadulterated gospel, and I can say it in one sentence, but I'll elaborate. For sure. Is love God and do whatever the fuck you want. Back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your guy Emmanuel. I'm back in the studio, and I got my guy Oba. You're back in the thing, man. Making it happen, boy. What's going on? You know, um, life has been 2019 has been a really wild year for me, and I am happy also that it's been a, a heavy R&B year because mm. it's been a really emotional year for me. You know mm. I mean? So um, I'm really grateful for the growth. Uh, I'm really grateful for the opportunities that I've had to connect and <laughs> what link and build. <laughs> Please don't. Please. Uh, to, to, to link with all the links that I've made to build. You're linking and building. With all the buildings that I've built. Oh, my God. Um, it's, it's been a really challenging year, but, um, you know, you got to keep on. You got to press on. Mm. I've been listening to a lot of Les Brown lately. Okay. I really mess with him, man. I really yeah, mess with like, motivational speakers from the 90s, especially the brothers. So him and... Dr. Miles Monroe, they've been two guys that have been really, really. Um, You've been really in your bag, bro. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to, you know, unlearn a lot of things that my brain is just like defaulted to. Mm. And so I think that, you know, finding people that um, finding people that resonate with you really is really important to me. And that's something I've done. And uh, yeah, 2019 has mm. been cool for me so far. And it's nice to be able to wrap it up yeah. on a strong note, hopefully, you know. That's what's up, bro. Thank you, man. Yeah. Off the heels of like going to Nigeria, going to Afrotech, it's been a really wild year for me. But I'm really grateful for the opportunities, man. Bro, you've been you've been moving, bro. It's been a really really busy. You've been year, man. you've been on the road. I got my miles in, yeah. You've been catching flights, not feelings. Not, oh man, the feelings have been, have been caught too, bro. 
Let me catch a flight to Phoenix, man. That's, that's what the name of this year needs to be. But you still, you, it's still been an emotional year, though. Yeah, sure. And it feels good to know, like, you know, this late in, this late in your life, you can still be emotional. Mm. I still rock out to, you know, the the, the, the smooth sounds. <laughs> of brother. Carl Thomas, man. This is my joint back in high school, bro. You're showing your age right now, man. Back in high school. This back in high school, bro. This is the joint. Mm. Mm. This album was so fire, bro. This is back when Diddy was like, he had that resurgence, that bad boy resurgence where he just had... Hella R&B just popping off. This is good. Hella, oh man. Hey. Oh my bad. Nah, nah, you got it. You got it. Hey. Hey. You, don't, you don't get flagged out here, man. Uh, nah, I'll be all right. I, I, that, I, I ain't, I ain't there you know, yet. You know the One, sauce, day. Yeah. One day. One right, day. I'll, I'll take that as a badge of honor if I get flagged. Is that right? I ain't mad at they that. eyes on you? Yeah, man. I'll take that. No, all, press is, all press is good press. I, I I'll, that. Yeah, I'll take it, bro. Man, that's what's up, bro. It's uh, 2019, bro. It's almost over. I didn't even think about that. Man, it is, it's wild to think that Thanksgiving is right around the corner. And after Thanksgiving, it's really New Year's. It's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. after October, the year is over, bro. I feel that too. The, yeah. the last, the last part of the year just really, it just flies by. It does it moves man. real quick. It does. We're we're already at the end. Sprint's about to be due again. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm grateful for it, though, man. This is this is definitely your growth. Um, I think that there's something to be said about 33, and the end of that year. You mm-hmm. know, call it your Jesus year, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. For me, it's been like. I have to I have to say to I have to say goodbye to a version of me that I've known for a long time. Mm. So like moving into moving into my next age is like it's 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 I don't know man it's gonna be different. It already feels different. You still thirty three? Yeah yeah. For another for another th- uh, full full little while longer. Young bro. Yeah man. Back Look in the you look you. I see Jesus. the gra- but, but it got the grades man. So you know we've been around yo. Damn, we've been around. I know I don't. I know I don't seem this young. So, I appreciate that. That surprised you. What yeah, you young? You not you not forty yet? Young. I, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate <laughs> that, yo. Uh, so, we'll see, man. What about you, yo? How's the family? School's back in session. You know man, what I'm saying? You family got, is good, bro. My daughter just addition? turned five. Oh, man. Yeah, man. five is is super cute, but it's like it's kind of it's bittersweet, man. Because like four is like the cutest. <laughs> Five is cute because, like, they can fully verbalize and be funny and, like, talk metaphorically kind of and, like, really drop some words and, you know, have some conversations where it's like, yo, I didn't expect that. I didn't see that coming. But it's, like, it's the height of cuteness, but I know, like, once you go up, you can only Mm. go down. She's already peaked. Her cuteness is peaked. It's peaking. Peaking, okay. So, but she's five, so she's it's peaking. She just turned five, so it's peaking. It's gonna be at that peak level pretty soon. Six is like, all right, enjoy it. This it's it's going away, and not to say my daughter won't. The the innocent cute, like when they say something smart or do something 
like defiant. It's so cute. You you're mad, but you're really not mad because you're always laughing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there's going to be a level of defiance at the age of seven, going into eight. That's going to be if you don't get your ass. <laughs> <laughs> you better not. You better not talk back to me. You know what I mean? So like, it's like exerting their their their, their autonomy. Yeah. I mean, because you know the, the brain. Person. Yeah, their brain changes. They it's there's something that happens at seven, seven eight ish, um, like the age of reasoning. You know what I mean? And so once they get that age of reasoning and that real like self awareness, um, it's just it's, it's different. Like that innocent cuteness, really don't know what they're saying, what they're doing, the implications of what they say, like all of that goes away, mm. and that's just a natural human evolution. So. Um, I'm enjoying this ultra cute stage and what's left of it. What's left of it? I hate to talk about it. You're going to do it, it, gonna do it again, way. man. What you talking about? You <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Relax. Shouts out to you, Shouts out to you Mrs. Williams. Relax. Yo, we, no, we, he, he's, about no, to, no. he's about to have a round three. No, yo. no, 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 no. <laughs> you ain't done yet, man. Ah, You ain't done yet, man. I got to get, get, get one out here, too, so. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to leave, leave that to you, bro. You can you can continue to multiply this black excellence, man. You got it. I believe you. You got it, bro. You laid the path out. The right? torch is in your hands, Let's brother. Do that, man. I'm looking forward to it now. That trip to Nigeria really got me thinking about. I don't think you can evolve as a person until you have something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one thing that I've also done this year is realize that no matter who you are, if you are not helping, you're hurting. And if you're hurting, it's not even if you're not helping, you're hurting. If you're like deliberately hurting, no matter who you are, you have to get X'd out. So a lot of Yoruba cultures, I think cultures around the world, really need to update a lot of um, pastime, Mm. you know what I mean, like cultural significance. Because there are people in your life that may or may not, for me, I have people in my life that have known me my entire life that really do not want me to succeed. Mm -hmm. And it's maybe not them, it's the bitterness that they're holding on to. Like Mm. they've, they've fully been enveloped by that and mm. because of that there is nothing good that they can say yeah. they're holding on to an old you know what i mean like version of you you know what i mean like mm. imagine all the growth that you've done in your life and someone still has a 17 year old version of you in their mind oh wait you know what i mean yeah. like all those things that i like that that has that don't even, i mean that don't so long that don't count that don't but 17 year old me don't count but it also tells you the fact that you you don't know any other version of me because you haven't been around mm. So, of course, that's the only version of me that you're holding on to because mm-hmm. you don't want to know any other version of me. Mm. So I really had to, like, block um, somebody that's been in my life my whole life and really just move on from that. Mm-hmm. And despite that person, I still want to have these familial bonds. I still want to develop my my attachment to people. But, yo, I am. I, I used to really say, like, I used to always hear, yo, you know, you only get one mother. You only get this. You only get that. Make sure you they'll come around. Blah, blah, blah. I'm done with that, man. At mm. the end of the day, like, you really have to protect your energy. Mm. And I'd rather put, I want to work on my strengths, not my weaknesses. Mm. And so I'm not, I realize you can't change anyone's opinion of you. Yeah. So at the end of the day, um, but I say all that to say, and the reason I brought that up now is because like, yo, how do you feel about, it wasn't until I was in my 20s and I heard Alan Watts say, children don't owe their parents anything. Mm. And I, I found that to be extremely enlightening for me because all my life I was like, I heard you should be grateful. You should be um, happy that I do this. You should be showing appreciation. You should love me because I do all these things for you. Mm. And it's like at the end of the day, like 
no, I, sh- I have no reason to love you if you haven't given me a reason to love you. You know what I'm saying? There is no, there should be no obligation that you're thrust upon your children. But that's me coming. That's coming from a person that doesn't have any children. So I was wondering, where do you, where do you fall on that land, uh, on that line of? Do you instill like gratitude or 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 like, I don't know what to call it. It's like, should, are your children? beholden to you in one way or the other does that you get what i'm trying to ask because i think what, what the the larger the larger conversation at um at hand is more about how do you how do you mitigate someone's like capitulation to authority so if you're telling me i have to love you if i'm a good child or you know blah 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 i should be grateful because you put a roof over my head or food in my belly mm-hmm. um that gives me that makes it easier for someone else to control me because it's like oh well you know capitulate to this authority now you know instead of your mother it's going to be your teacher instead of your teacher it's going to be your boss and all those people you should treat like any other authority in your life Mm -hmm. versus someone actually earning your respect earning your regard earning your love because at the end of the day my I, i didn't ask anybody to be here you know what i'm saying like parents made the decision to be here so you should be beholden to your children and not have your children think that they owe you for being here tell me tell me how you kind of approach parenthood when it comes to that particular point of view Mm, that's deep bro um well we're talking about love right we are for sure so the way i see love is like it's something that can't be coerced and if you coerce and try to determine predetermine the outcome of relationship or just try to tell somebody this is how it should be i don't think it's genuine and i don't i don't think it's healthy and it's not something that's gonna last so i don't think you can successfully if like if you're coercing someone to love you that's that's not real love so if that's the nature of the relationship then that's whack, you know? But as far as how I see it, like, I guess I'll start with my parents and then I'll relate it to me as a parent. So, um, I, I have respect and honor for my parents for the way that they raised me. And I think with the natural cycle of life, you won't really know how much you appreciate your parents until you become a parent because you don't know what it is to be a parent and you don't know how hard it is to have your own dreams and aspirations and goals and at the same time want to fulfill your child's dreams aspirations and goals and support them in their pursuit of that and prepare them to be an adult (laughs) and prepare them to be a parent for your grandchildren, like there's there's so many things going on, but like I didn't have the level of, of respect that I have for my parents at this point in my life. I wouldn't have it if I didn't have kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Of course. So me having children change just fundamentally changed the relationship that I have with my parents. Sure. And so um, I think in in that situation. It's kind of hard to understand what your parents would say when they when they say that about you. Like, you wouldn't even they wouldn't even have to explain that to you when you have kids. That like you should respect them and you should whatever like you. 
it's hard to it's hard to understand if you don't have kids. Mm-hmm. It's harder to understand. Not to say it's impossible, it's harder to understand. And it just it's kind of one of those things where it's it's hard to explain. But um but just going full circle and then me to my kids, like as a parent, you always have that fear, and I was just talking to um my son's principal about this. You always have that fear of are you doing it right? Am I putting my ch- child in the best position to succeed? Am I making the right decisions? Are are they going to resent me for pushing them in this area or pushing in them in that area or not pushing them in a certain direction? And, you know, maybe they'll look back at me and be like, Daddy, why didn't you encourage me to do this? Didn't you know better? Why'd you Why'd you let me decide? Why didn't you just make the decision for I don't I don't know you don't know as a parent is just so unknown you don't know what the outcome is going to be you never know if you're doing it right you never know but don't resources help what resources whether it be grandparents whether it be of course teachers you know you have plenty of resources that you can reach out and and yeah of course you're not going to get the 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 right answer you'll Mm -hmm. never get the 100 percent answer but um I don't take a look at the landscape I mean, resources help, but interpersonal relationship is an interpersonal relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, I can have all the the tips and tricks and and all the help that I can get from those people, but at the end of the day, that relationship, that is a perception between you and your child. Mm-hmm. So there are things that your parents do that they don't know, that they're not aware of what they're doing to you mm-hmm. when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. And there's things that you do as a parent and you're not aware of what you're doing to your kids. So How you let's that. let's say, for instance, um, like the other day, my daughter was like calling my name. And I was on the phone. And she called my name like four or five times. And I wasn't trying to ignore her, but I was ignoring her because I was like in a conversation and whatever. And then I finally kind of took the, my hand down, like, all right, Riley, what you need? Daddy, can you play this game with me? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get back. I'll, about five minutes. Give me five minutes. Now, I'm in the middle of the conversation. I was on the phone before she started talking to me. There's nothing wrong with that, right? However, in her five-year-old brain, in her subconscious, if I do that too many times, she may interpret that as daddy doesn't have time for me. Daddy, you know what I mean? Like my parents didn't think I was good enough for them to put down what they're doing and attend to me. And so she may grow up with some type of resentment that she doesn't fully understand, but it's there emotionally just because it's in her subconscious. And her whole life, she may be trying to overcome not feeling good enough or not feeling wanted or not. You know what I mean? And so and that that would just be me making a mistake. An honest mistake. I wasn't trying to make you feel that way, but that's how I made you feel. And then we have this tension in our relationship, even as you being an adult. Because I made you feel that way, but you don't know exactly where it came from. But it's in your five year old brain. It locked in your subconscious. And now that works at you until until you think about it, until that's uncovered. You may never know why you feel that way towards me. But that's the nature of our relationship. And so like stuff like that can happen as a parent. And some type of 
thing that was traumatic to the child and it wasn't traumatic to the parent, but the child holds that resentment against their parent. And you just, and as a parent, you never know. And so like, that's the tough part about parenting, man. You, you never know when you hurt your child. Like my, my dad didn't know when he, when he hurt me back in the day. You know what I mean? Like I, I have, I have these feelings of, resentment and not feeling good enough and not feeling like like I wasn't loved or I wasn't paid attention to because when I was a kid everybody in my family learned how to swim except for me right. now it was just basic stuff but like by the time it got to me it just wasn't it just didn't my mom's schedule just didn't work out she was went from not working to by the time I got out of preschool or out of daycare she got a job again because she didn't have multiple kids home. So now she can get a job. And so I didn't get as much time and attention and didn't get exposed to everything, whatever taught. When I was a kid, we lived on a busy street. And so when I was learning how to ride a bike, like I I was on the sidewalk. And I got, you know, it's a busy street. So it's hard. To, I had little room for air. And so because I didn't have that room for air, it was hard for me to learn. And then my dad got frustrated and he just stopped. And he's like, he told my sisters, teach your brother how to ride a bike. I never learned how to ride a bike. And I was never taught how to ride a bike. Mm -hmm. I didn't learn how to ride a bike until I was 15 years old. I told you, I think I told you that story. And so, and I didn't realize that I had a, a strong level of resentment to my dad until my son, he was asking me to teach him how to do something. And it was so I, I realized every time he asked me to help him with something that he got frustrated with and he wanted me to teach him, like I couldn't do it. Hmm. I'm like, bro, why? Like, why is it so hard for me to help my son? I teach myself how to do stuff all the time. And and like I taught myself how to make beats. I taught myself how to ride a bike. I taught I taught myself how to do like so many things. So it 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 comes natural for me to teach myself because like that's all I've been able to do. But however, when it comes to you know what I mean? Like Relaying me information to, to someone else, it's hard for me to do it. And I had to, and then I realized now that I'm a father, like I realized that that's a big issue and it's been affecting me up to this point. And it's really affecting me now that I have a son. Why do you think it's a big issue if that's not something that's not the strength of yours? Because it's a, it's a point of, of pain and it's a point of, um, of hurt and sadness and it and it affected me as a kid and it affected my self-esteem. You know what I mean? And so I I know that it affected me cuz I know how it, it like unless you unless you go through it, like you don't know what it feels like to be the only kid that doesn't know how to ride a bike. Like that's basic childhood activity. Mm-hmm. So like there's More a so level of there's me. a there's a level of shame mm-hmm. of like being a grown ass 10-year-old kid and not knowing how to ride a bike and you see all your friends on a bike and you can't do it. But you also know that even if you can't teach your son something, mm-hmm. knowing what it feels like to not be able to do something, I would imagine that you would still make you would still make it possible for him to learn. If no, it's no, not no. you, it's somewhere you're gonna find a resource for him to be able to learn what you directly cannot teach him. Yeah, but what what I'm saying is before I came to that realization that what was I didn't know what was going on inside of me. And then at that point, at, at a certain point, I had to reflect and like, yo, why do, 
why do I get so frustrated when my son asks me to help him do something? Mm-hmm. Like when he wants me to teach him how to do something. I get so frustrated. Like there's a there's a level of heat in my chest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I realize, yo, this goes back to my dad. My dad never taught me. And and me and my dad had like a very tumultuous relationship. Like by the time I got in middle school, like 14, from 14 to like post-college. Like we didn't have the best of relationships. And I had a, a high level of resentment. And I didn't realize that it, it started right there. That's when it started. Cause I remember at a point in time, like when I was a kid, like I always wanted to be around my dad. Like I, uh, <laughs> to be honest, like I love my dad more than my mom. Like as a boy, like you want to be with your dad, you hang out with your dad, you do stuff with your dad. Like you go to basketball games, you do all the boy stuff with your dad. So my dad was my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that it stopped at that point when he gave up on me learning how to ride a bike and he just left me to my, to my sisters. And then just, you know what I mean? It's a point in time where I just didn't get that attention from him and get that consideration. So it's gotta be a pain point to like, to, to want to prevent your son from experiencing that. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, man. So I say all that to say, it's a long winded way of saying, um, you want your kids to love you because you know how hard it was to raise them. And so if you're if a parent is reacting in that way, saying you should love me because of all the things that I did, because, yeah, you, you did. You do sacrifice. And if you feel like you did a good job, you feel like you should, you know, whatever. And so if you're hurt, then you might want to put that out there and be like, man, you going to hurt me for real? Like all that I've done for you? Again, I started this over shit. This is the thanks I get. I started you. You, you. I brought you in the game. You shouldn't have thanked me though. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you bring it, I, I understand what you're saying. But if you're bringing me into the game, like I owe you nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't. We didn't before I got here. I didn't say, yo, please it's, it's give me an opportunity. About, it's not about owing. It's never about owing. So what it feels like. If you want gratitude from me, like earn the gratitude. If you want respect from me, earn the respect. Don't say all these things that I'm obliged to do for you because I brought you into this world should be enough for me to for you to garner my respect, my regard, and my love. Like, mm-hmm. if you bring somebody into this world, you are responsible for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the basics ain't going to be enough. You yeah, but to- I mean, you, you should never tell your parents to... Well, I don't know. It's it, At the end of the day... Finish that sentence. You should never tell your parents to what? You should never tell your parents that they have to earn your respect. You know, but if you guys are at that point, then obviously there's some things that happen to where you guys are at odds. So at the end of the day, it's whatever a conversation you can have with your parents. You can never have that. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, you can. It's not going to be a conversation. <laughs> well, I, I had that conversation with my dad. You know How so? I mean? Talk to me about that. I, I just, well, as a parent, though, you had that conversation when you was a grown man. Yeah. Okay. So that's a little. Yeah. I had this conversation like when my son, he was like three or four so that was like five or six years ago i had that conversation you know and it wasn't and that was like that the one conversation of telling him like all the frustrations that i had as a kid and i didn't realize that it was you know pent up in me until i had until i became a parent i had to teach my son some stuff and i couldn't do it i was trying to figure out why it was and i thought back when when i was a kid all that so you know told him all that stuff you know cried like a little kid (laughs) you know it was just it was one of those type of things. But ever since we had that conversation, it wasn't an instant, 
all right, everything is good between me and my dad. But it that was the moment where healing could actually happen. Mm-hmm. But it, it takes time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even though that's what happened and, you know, my, my dad, he, he did a lot, man. Like he had four kids. My, he was he was a he's a homeowner. He he was supporting the whole family. My mom wasn't working for an extended period of time. He had one job that brought him out here, and then he decided he wanted to go to law school. He did. He did that. He had, you know, he was he was working in that field, and that was very time consuming. So, like, he was doing what he had to do as a man to take care of his family and follow his dreams at the same time. And it's very hard. And so now, me as a as a father, as a parent, like, I want to be there. I want to do all the things, but I know that to provide and to follow my dreams at the same time, there's a sacrifice that comes with that. And the only thing that you can do as a parent is hope that your kids don't resent you for doing that because they won't understand what you're doing until they're a parent. And so you can't force your kids not to resent you, but you just hope that they don't. Mm-hmm. You don't live in fear either. Like I imagine that you can't be like, you do something you're like, Oof, I hope that doesn't last forever. Or I hope they don't remember that. You have to just, you know, hope that your, your love is enough. Right. Or hope that whatever you're doing for them isn't just, I don't know. I don't know. Isn't just isn't received in a negative way, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like we're all human but nobody really understands it. The older I get, the more I realize that like parents are people. Yeah. First. With their own baggage, with their own history, with their own shortcomings and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does change the dynamic because oh, I, I was talking to my brother about anyway. No, I don't want to talk about that, but yeah, parents it is it is it is difficult and I definitely see um, I I understand that there's a lot of it I won't understand, but there is one thing that I, if parent or not, if you bring somebody into this world, you are, you are their warden or their, you know what I mean? Like they are your ward, not warden, but they are your ward. Like you, you have to do whatever it is you can do for that person. Period. No matter what age, in my opinion, because yeah. you, this is a lifelong commitment. You sh- you knew this before you started this. Do you feel like your parents didn't do enough? I feel like my parents. My, first of all, I didn't know my father until I was twenty seven. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have any kind of relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, uh, it wasn't that whole story is really interesting because it wasn't like he was just like a deadbeat. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Back in the day, it was really easy for people to get lost. For people to just be like, mm, I don't want to see you anymore. <laughs> I'm gonna move over here, and mm-hmm. good luck trying to find me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he didn't, um, and I also know that you can't give what you don't have. And I've heard that my whole life. You you can't give what you don't have. If I don't have it, I can't give it. And it wasn't until I really understood that on a very, like, metaphysical way. Like, I can't give love if I don't love myself. I can't give support if I I don't feel supported, Mm -hmm. you know? I Mm -hmm. don't know how to act in love or in grace if I don't know how to receive grace or give grace myself, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So in that in that regard, I'm very grateful for the for the for the upbringing that I had. Mm-hmm. But I also see that there were there were gaping holes that could have very much been. Um, I don't know. People made the decisions. Everything is done, uh, and to still hold. I think the biggest the biggest thing for me is just like I couldn't have that conversation that you had with your father. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, she would just like my my person would just shut off. Like, there is no conversing about all these different things. Mm-hmm. About just saying like, look, these are the things that 
you hurt me with mm-hmm. and I can't move. I, there is none of that because of the fact like when b- your bitterness, I would, I, when I see craziness, when I see like loud, obnoxious, when I see all these different things, mm-hmm. all of those things I feel like I can handle. If I see a, signif- uh, a, p- a potential significant other, a woman that I like, a woman that I think is interesting and she's loud, she's braggado- she's braggadocious, she's into style, she's into spending money, she's into all these different things that need to kind of like be re- like reeled in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I have no problem in saying that that is something that I could definitely help manage in some way. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like bitterness, when it comes to like a deep sadness that you can't You've closed off a part of yourself. Mm-hmm. I'll never. I, I I can see that. I can spot that from a mile away, and I run from that. I run from that as quickly as possible because I see the end result of that. Mm-hmm. It's really really sad, man. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I didn't mean to start this off on a on a on a. On I was about a, to say, you mind if we switch gears on a, a negative bit. family point? But <laughs> I just wanted to talk about that. Nah, for that's sure. real, man. That's really that's real. real and family has been more and more like something I've been thinking about, and just something that I'm trying to navigate. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to whatever you know whoever i can decide to build a family with yeah um but i just wanted i just wanted to you know get some notes get some cliff notes no before, I, before i start this journey man no doubt man i'm always down to talk about yeah, that man, come on man, shift so. this into third gear man already bro so let's get into this man this afrotech man mm. afrotech 2019 i think it was the fourth afrotech if i'm not mistaken it's the fourth one i'm pretty sure i could be wrong at that could so, be the second one as well I think it's it's been it's been going on for a while. A couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um. So Afrotech 2019, Oakland, California. Oakland, California, man. Oba was in the building. Ten thousand people. Ten thousand. Uh, wow. Yeah, in the yeah. Building. It was uh, That's dope. Tell me about it, man. Bro, just seeing everyone like come together and, and just just eating lunch, especially coming from Portland. Mm. When I saw people just sitting down to eat lunch together, like I couldn't help but just like stare at people, man. That's wild. Just the scene, you know, cause yeah. It felt really good to be to be in that to be in that energy. Yeah. Um, the actual conference, I must say, there's a problem that I think that people are trying to really give our community. Uh, you can do all, and you can do any of these things. Yo, tech. What not. people? Who are the people that are trying to give our community that our that, community itself? Our community. Yeah. Okay. The, okay. The community is trying to give. Those of us that may not be a part of the um, like in depth in the tech industry or okay. aspects of it, yeah. it's giving it a really like friendly, approachable look, right? Like, okay. oh, don't be afraid of engineering. You, you know, it's easy. It's not easy, but you can come over here. Anybody can do this and this and the third. And mm. I like, I found that to be problematic because like mm. there were no technical classes at this Afrotech conference. Mm. There were no classes geared like everyone every one of the lectures mm-hmm. every every one of the lectures that I found, I thought it was or that I went to, there were there were no parts of the industry that I couldn't understand. Even if there was just like a strictly engineering um class. It was too fluffy. It was very fluffy. Mm. It was very, very fluffy. Mm. And a, a good friend of mine made the comparison like if this was if this was Afromed tech if this was Afromed instead of Afrotech, if mm-hmm. this was like a, you know, like physicians and everyone in the medical industry came out, mm. there wouldn't be like oh an approachable way to this. You know what I'm saying? Like it would very, yeah. it would be technical words. It would be a lot of industry jargon and all these different things yeah. to be like, mm, I'm not supposed to be in this room right, right now because right, I don't know right. anything about this right here. Mm. So let me move and go over here to to my kind of like my speed. So it's really rudimentary. Just it was what well said. Mm. I think a lot of the. Uh, the biggest, my biggest issue with it, with that, a lot of the lectures were rudimentary, mm. and people were telling you also, 
um, on one hand, they're like, yo, get into this industry. Yo, cannabis is going to be one of the biggest things ever. Make sure you get into cannabis. No one is telling you, like, how. <laughs> what aspect of cannabis? Yeah. This, that. You know what I'm saying? Like, no one is telling you this. Hey, secret. guys, sell weed. <laughs> weed is going to be huge. I guarantee it. Get in it. And I'm just looking around like, what, like, why do I need to hear you say that? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're already in it. You're 10 years deep. You're doing all these different things. You're telling me what, what the projections are. But I have no idea how to get started. You're not giving me a book to read. You're not giving me a person to listen to. You're not giving me any kind of resource. That's like when uh, when people go on Shark Tank and like, well, the cosmetics industry is a $1.2 billion industry. So, you know, I just I project to make at least <laughs> like, all right, that's that's great. But what is your business plan? <laughs> What are your numbers? How are you going to make money? <laughs> Just because there's money there doesn't mean that you're going to get it. That's so what true. is your strategy? Exactly. Well, you know, I mean, I, if I just get, you know, a small piece of that pie, I'll, I'll be doing great. Oh, okay. Okay. Next. <laughs> Afrotech did a, um, they Next. Did, they did a competition as well for um, yeah. small entre- for entrepreneurs. That's dope. And two of them are Shark apps. Tank style? Yeah. Yeah, really. Um, two of them were apps and one of them were was a wireless speaker system that i thought was really dope shouts out to audios because i think he's going to be doing big things mm. um he didn't end up winning the competition but like he said with or without this ten thousand dollars this is moving and so he has a new way of um engineering wireless speakers that don't use bluetooth because bluetooth has like a little bluetooth has a limited range they have a lot of interruption whenever like people walk through or device you know what mm, i mean like fast. a couple of devices yeah. and also um there's a slight delay um, in in the transmission of Bluetooth. So he's developed a way to connect wireless speakers um, with none of that delay, with a really, really long um, distance and all that stuff. So he his was dope. Um, Clit, K-L-I-I-T. I thought that that was a fen- phenomenal idea, and it's really about women um, being <laughs> uh, able to Yeah, it is access, a great idea. Women are being able to get access to information about like their health. Health information that's going to be... And so it's going to be like... Um, um, physicians and medical professionals being able to offer advice to people just straight through an app you know how they mm-hmm. do like online like online counseling now you can yeah. simply just like text back and forth yeah they're almost doing that when it comes to um, so you download female, the clit app female health okay. female health providers yeah um i thought that was a that was a phenomenal idea and um that's the one that ended up winning mm-hmm. uh, nigerian woman won it you know um, oh, that's why you like it. Oh, well, you know, regardless. Uh, oh, not the, <laughs> not the clip. It was because of the. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It, well, it's, 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 it's a, because of, no, no. Yeah, it was because it's of a win win situation. <laughs> uh, but it was a it was a it was a great idea, and I, and I really enjoyed being able to see um, people really trying to you know break into the in- industry. And she was a lawyer. She didn't have anything to do with with tech, but she saw she saw Elaine, and she was really fulfilling it. She got the right people. That yeah. also that also gave me uh, an understanding of like. I think we're taught in this country to try to be a jack of all trades. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Figure out this, find out that. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, do it like J. Cole style. Be a beat maker, be a audio engineer, be a lyricist. Do all these things as opposed to just doing one thing really, really well and then finding other, pe- other people to fill in the pieces. Yeah. And um, I have a really interesting conversation with some of the brothers that uh, just talk about how different life is, how, how different education system is between you know an African country, for example, and American in America, it's like if you're not going into um, construction or if you're not going into the medical field, they're just really, um, you have to kind of like figure out how to do all these, how to play all these different roles and all these different parts. And I don't think it should be that like that. I think we should definitely be um, specialized in one thing and then mm. find somebody else because that's how you build community. That's a fact. So 
Did you were you down there the first day? I was down there the first day. Oh, yeah. That was a Thursday. Yeah. So yeah. they had a um, South African like uh, <laughs> it, was, it was wild. A South African like I'm gonna call Tevin while you're talking. Safari or something like that. Uh, a South African. It's not safari? even a safari. It was more like this is this is South African culture. So it was food. Um, people sh- displaying African art. Um, just just a lot of different. Uh, all the way down. All the way down. Um, people displaying a lot of different beautiful art. People coming together. Everyone had their Afro tech tags, so you knew who to like greet and stuff like that. And um, it was a cool little. It was a cool little environment, yo, for sure. It was mm-hmm. nice. Nice icebreaker to the to the weekend. Um, that was Thursday night. Friday, got up early. Uh, we did a lot. And it was uh, overall it was beautiful. I really connected with some people. The networking opportunities were incredible. The businesses that were there, every business that was there, I made sure to put their black foot forward. <laughs> their black <laughs> foot forward, yeah, bro. You so, gonna have to trademark that. So Zillow, Zillow had like Billow, which is like Black Zillow, and they had T-shirts, oh. they had pants, they had all this merch. They oh. had like their diversity and inclusion team. Um, show up Okta shouts out to Okta because that's a company that I'm really really interested in uh, so many companies Riot was out there um, Adobe was out there there were there were a lot of great companies that had some really really good things to say uh, but everybody wants to pretend like they're not making a bad decision right so I haven't mm. one thing that's another thing too, like, no one was critical of their company and I was actually kind of looking for that I was mm. looking for somebody to kind of talk shit about their company because I wanted to see who, who would keep it really really real you know, so nobody was keeping it funky. Everybody was. Everybody just, was like, "Oh, it's amazing! You should da da da." And third, it's great work here because nobody wants to be the ones to be making a stupid decision. I think. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, I guess, that was just like a little test. Um, but regardless, I would definitely go again. I'm very grateful for the opportunity, and it was it was incredible, man. It really mm-hmm. was. I definitely think that uh, more of us should go. It's crazy. I met all the people I know in Portland like the first hour I was out there just because we stick out like sore thumbs. Mm. Or just the, cause the, we're the ones recognizable? That, no, I swear. Like every time I saw somebody that I recognized in Portland, they were just like staring out, just like looking at people like, damn. Oh. Man, for real, for real. Just in that, that culture shock just is in, real. It's just, in the, it's just in the all, man. Yeah. And Oakland was incredible. We got to hear from three Black Panthers. Hey. Hold on, let me let me run that. Wait, back. Did he really just say that? Yeah, you don't I you don't remember that? that, man? Not at all. Um, and I want to hey. I want to touch on this just because I'm trying to figure. I never understood what Jay Z meant by this, and maybe you'll be able to speak to it. It's like the Negro. It was a time America wouldn't let us fall. Those times are now back. It's now called Afrotech. Generational wealth, that's the key. My parents ain't have shoot, so that shift started with me. There was a time when America wouldn't let us ball. Those times are now back. And they call it Afrotech. Ooh. So he's been critical of Afrotech. Nah, that can't be, yo. That can't be the same, man. Legacy. Like, let's let's run it. Let's yeah, run we it, right. Man. We about to run up. People who look like we, we gon' start a society within society. That's major. Just like the Negro League. There was a time America wouldn't let us ball. Those times are now back. It's now called Afrotech. <laughs> Generation of wealth, that's the key. Yo, that's that's I've never heard that. I've never put that line together. But that just doesn't fit. Well, let me so let me play uh Jay Z's advocate. Okay. There was a time America wouldn't let us ball. Those times are now back. It's called Afrotech. So I would equate that to him meaning that Afrotech is a way to keep us 
in our own little space and make us like keep us away from the big boys, Mm. keep us away from having that real constructive impact in the tech industry. So now we're but when we segregated have to first, but look, we're we're segregated and we're put off to a side, you know, so to speak. And we're not really doing what they're doing. So kind of like what you were saying, like we're just over there having fun and just celebrating our quote unquote representation, air quotes, guys, representation in the industry. But what are we really doing there? We're not getting equipped to do anything. Mm-mm. We're just there celebrating our blackness and the fact that we work for these people that's, in that that's industry. Now, let's say that's what he means. What is your response to Jay-Z? If if I can't disagree based upon, with that. Based upon your experience at Afrotech 2019. Based upon your explanation of those lyrics and my experience at Afrotech, I think that, that Afrotech is still the only way that we'd be able to have a voice. Not Excuse me, not the only way. But I think unity unity would have to be the only way to get a voice out there. So we're not, um, when we see each other in different positions, we see an engineer, we see a customer success person, we see a project manager, mm-hmm. we see all these different levels of it, getting together and saying, oh, hey, all these different companies are cool, but at the end of the day, we have to be able to have a voice and say, now we need more people in here, right? In the industry first, because mm-hmm. if you want to be a millionaire, hang out with millionaires. Right. So if you want to be in tech, hang out with people that are in the industry. For sure. So we have to be able to siphon that information out. The mm. other the thing that this could turn into is we're siphoning all that information into bringing together some kind of like unified conglomerate. Right. So that we everyone quits Adobe. Everyone quits Zillow. Everyone quits eBay. Everyone quits. You know what I'm saying? All those different places and somehow bring something together that can be bring all their experiences together so that something can be formed. Something can be like attempted you know what i mean like mm. there has to be some kind of unionizing and i think that this is what afrotech in the long run it feels like it has the potential to do is unionize the different people at different places to be able to say hey you know what this is how i got into the door over here get your information from over there because i've already got information from adobe so you get your information from over there and then let's let's see if we can um you know compare notes you're filling the gaps that i'm missing out okay let's see if we can create an app let's see if we can you know create an opportunity over here because i don't think the the long term goal is to be there i don't be think where be be a part of these companies at mm. the end of the day we're so we're so behind the ball that we have to learn from these people we have to learn from everybody that's already in the industry because mm. it's an industry that or is, do we absolutely oh, absolutely mm. first and foremost yes mm. there is no way you're going to learn outside of you're, you're not going to learn outside of seeing the people that are doing it now and that's mm-hmm. just, I think that's just a, a, in my mind, that's a reality. And I think that siphoning that information is, is, is so important because who who wants to reinvent the wheel? Well, who did the lawyer woman learn from? She got, she got, I think <laughs> she had uh, someone that was on some, like a retired person from, I wish I remember the companies they were from, but she had like a, it's almost like a mentoring panel, right? Mm. So she had people that have 25 years at this law firm, then she has somebody that's like a software engineer that used to work for maybe Apple or something like that that, mm-hmm. re- that retired. Mm-hmm. Somebody else that worked for, you know, a, a really big hospital out on the West Coast, out on the West Coast, in, in California. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all things that, like, she was able to pull these different people. And they were, like, most of the people on her panel weren't black people. 
Mm. They were all either Asian or white people. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, she was able to siphon that information from them to be able to attempt to make something for herself. Mm -hmm. And just being in those spaces, she was able to kind of siphon. So I think that's exactly what we need to do is to get into these white spaces, siphon that information out, but don't just stay there. Because I'm noticing, too, a lot of people are talking about, like, there is a, a discomfort whenever, whenever like, the tokenism is broken. So instead of there being just, like, one or two black people that are, that are you know what I mean, a part of this company, mm -hmm. if it ends up being four people or higher, then those two people kind of resent those other four people. Mm -hmm. Because it's just like, oh, man, we had a good here. Now, now there's creating some kind of, like, tension and competition mm -hmm. for the black space mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. versus saying yo i'm not trying to be here forever either get you know what i'm saying i i, I have this part of the company not i have this part of the company but i'm focusing on this what are y'all focusing on you know what i'm saying even if we're all still in customer service we're all in sales hey you know what talk to product get to know the product y'all two get to know the product y'all two get to know that because at the end of the day this needs to be like spook who sat by the door type stuff we need to really really pay attention get in do whatever we have to do, and then get out. Because the at the end of the day, I think the spook who sat by the door is a great analogy of siphoning that. In, I, I just keep siphoning is the only word that really comes to mind to mm -hmm. be able to do that, so, to be able to, to convey what I think is the most effective way of being in these spaces is don't try to change the color of this company. Don't try to make this company more black or anything like that. Get the information and get out and go build black, mm. I think. Yeah. So... No, that was I my think that's a I think that's a good template for sure. I just, you know, it's I don't think it's about necessarily not knowing the template of doing that. It's about really having the mind state and uh I don't want to get too wordy, but this is this pops in my mind, the intestinal fortitude to be able to do that, to have that entrepreneurial mindset and want to do it on your own a lot honestly what i see with the, especially black folks in america we're in survival mode a lot and so if you've been in survival mode your whole life if you pretty much grew up in poverty um or just you know not not you're not an upper class you don't have family wealth or anybody that's rich in your use nobody you can fall back on so it's only you um, to have comfort, to like fight for comfort for your whole life, and then you get in a tech company and you get that comfort, to be able to risk it all and potentially have no comfort, all in the name of entrepreneurship and you know doing doing it for us. I don't want to say doing it for. Uh, I'm tired of that term, but doing it for your people. That's hard to do. Especially like if you built up a certain cachet at a company and shoot, I'm making 130, 150,000. Why would I want to take a risk with these other Negroes over here when I got it good over here? And, and that's and that's what happens. That's the house mentality. And bro. that I know. But I'm saying that is a prevalent mentality. It's easy. I got my family. I have to look. I can't look out for the community right now. I got and my so, kids. I so got it, my family to look after. So I would say is. Our issue isn't necessarily the amount of knowledge that we don't have. I think it's the amount of entrepreneurial mindset that we don't have. But again, not everybody has to be an entrepreneur. Just like that's when I, but when I talk you, about if you're talking about building black, right? 
You have to be you have to be an entrepreneur to build your own company. Not everyone has to be a, an entrepreneur. Not everyone has to build a company. That's what I'm saying. So how are you, you going to build black without having your own? Again, what are you building? Not everyone has to be an entrepreneur. So if this person goes over to the product team of this company that we're all working for, this person goes over here, this person goes over here. Maybe I'm the entrepreneur. I'm the one that wants to be able to, yo, I can talk to um, angel investors. I can talk to whoever. I want to do all the business. I want to do the business side of all these things. I can be the person that creates the business. I'm still hiring this person as a product person because they were getting to know the product at Okta. But if you're in that startup phase, mm-hmm. then the person that works for you under that startup, they're taking on risk because you don't have that cash. You don't have that track record. You don't even have the capital to be self-sustaining. You're still asking for money from other people. So you have to be somewhat entrepreneurial to work for a startup and know that that company can go bankrupt or f- go under in What's six to nine months. What's the difference between that and another company downsizing? The the perception of stability. So someone um, working for Big Baller Brand, mm-hmm. even though they're working for LeVar Ball and they're mm-hmm. working for that company, they don't have the same amount of stability as they do if they work for Adidas or Nike. Just because there's so many more positions, that company's been around, they're not going to fold. And so that's just the fact of the matter is they know that they have more stability and there's more of a track record because they've seen that company and that company's been around for 70, 80 years. And Big Baller Brand just started a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So they have to be a risk taker to even take that job with them and turn down the job from Nike because they know it's a more secure let's position. Say, let's say they get the job at Nike. Why does, why, does that have, why does that equate? Why does security equate that? Why does that equate to security? Because, because there's going to be a lot they, more people they, vying for that position. There's going to be a lot more people vying for that position. There's going to be a lot more. Um, there's going to be a lot more like bureaucratic ways of uh, – tracking your progress and all these different things and if you're not measuring up we got ten thousand people that are looking to do your job if you can't do it someone else will so it's not like you can't be kicked out the door for your lack of performance at nike because no, you're not but doing it's, what you need to do. it's just it's just human nature to go with the proven method that's why branding works i understand what you're saying what i'm telling you is there is no security in working for a big company just because they're a big company and they won't fold you're talking they to a, you, still... but you're talking to an entrepreneur I, under, I understand that I'm talking about people that don't have an entrepreneurial mindset right. they will go with the big name brand and they will feel comfortable with the brand as opposed to the no name or the startup because the startup they feel like that's more volatile and it is more volatile than the company that's been there forever and it's not the company we're talking about. It's your position. I get it. Okay, I get it. So your position at a at a volatile your position at a volatile startup mm-hmm. is more secure than your position in an established company. Not in the minds of the person that doesn't think like that. Okay. Even though that may be true. Okay. Human nature will will rely on that which they are familiar with and that sure, which they familiarity. know. Right. So familiarity is their reality. And familiarity, and is, and, and is there safety? And and that's and that's that's what we're up against. That, in, in my opinion, that's what we're up against. We're up against human nature and the survival state that Black people are in. And so, once you get that somewhat security and working for that Fortune, whatever company, like all that stuff means a lot to a lot of people that go to school for that stuff. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I, I work, I work for a Fortune 100 company. She's literally been trying to work for Nike her her whole like yeah. post high school life. That's you think she's gonna leave goal. Nike and start her own business? It's not even. What if she gets fired from Nike? It's, it could what happen. if Nike doesn't want her anymore? Yeah, okay. and that's what I'm trying to say. Like that is an illusion. Both of them are unsafe, and that's what we really. I guess but we just have to spread does that. Not care. It, she doesn't care, care about the illusion. There is definitely a care. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a paranoia, and you know what I mean. Like she's she's uncomfortable. She talks about what the di- what the diversity in her team looks like. She talks about not ha- not being able to communicate with people effectively sure. and all the passive things and all these different things. So it's just it is you could be fired from this company at any time, right? Yeah, sure. You could be replaced at any time. So I'm just talking about forget the, just like the 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 company wide stance, but just like you in this company. You can be replaced very, very quickly and sure. very easily on the, you know what I mean, like for the company. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, I think maybe we just have to convey that their safety is an illusion on both ends. At the end of the day, it yeah, that's more, is. that's more comfortable. But at the end of the day, especially once you get that position, even if you're making one hundred and forty thousand dollars, maybe you're working sixty hours a week because you're so paranoid that you're not going to be able to keep that position. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're you're losing your hair because. You're using whatever products at work because you can't. You're, you're eating whatever products at work, or you're mm-hmm. drinking more. Cause, oh, I'm drinking man. rock stars and monsters, and just all to that be stuff. able to keep up with all these yeah. different things. And at the yeah. end of the day, like you're doing cocaine on the weekends. You have just to, to just to stay awake. Just to stay awake, so be, so you can party, so mm-hmm. you can forget the last week, mm-hmm. so you can mm-hmm. wipe the plate, the slate clean, so you mm-hmm. could like um, deal with a bunch of BS for the next week. You know what I'm saying? Like wipe the slate clean and sniff the plate clean. You know, all <laughs> sniff the plate clean. So much going sniff on. Sniff the glass clean. The mirror clean. It's um. I think I'm sorry. I don't mean to joke about cocaine. If uh, if that's a it's a great um, song. It's a, a great vice, song by that's a vice of yours. Nine, I think I hope you to you know. I hope you get the the help that you need because uh, <laughs> cocaine is a hell of a drug. Cocaine's done a lot for for American culture. Uh, I'm trying to be sensitive and I'm laughing. So um yeah. Uh, I think to 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 conclude my Afrotech experience, I think it was fantastic. I think that what it was, it was beautiful. But yeah. on a more critical level, it it. It's not where, like, Nesby, National Society of Black Engineers. You know what I'm saying? It's Ooh. not on that caliber. Ooh. Um, and I hope it could be because Nesby definitely has been around for a lot longer, has a lot more, you know, juice and a lot more backing. Were there any people that you interacted with and you asked them about previous Afrotechs? Did they tell you anything different? Or did, was there anyone that shared your concern that you had a conversation with? Um, there was one person who was like, yeah, I, you know, they were really, they've been to all of them. Oh, wow. And they thought that last year was going to be their last year, but they gave it one more year. They were like, nah, I'm going to try to really, he was an engineer too. And he was like, I really just want something geared towards engineers. I want something geared towards tech. Yeah. I want to be able to either find something new and innovative that I can like really dive into that's significant to my community. Mm-hmm. Or I could, um, I don't know, like, I guess the networking is definitely something that he did, but he really wanted something geared towards his particular field and not just customer service or not just product and people relations you know what i mean he Mm -hmm. really wanted the technical aspect of the afrotech experience yeah and he was like this year's like this year was a waste he said the first day he was like it's already a waste of time he was like, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the schedule, and I've already been someone. He was like, I already know what time it is, and I kind of <laughs> felt bad, man. You know what was funny to me, bro? I was watching like little highlights on YouTube of it. Were you there for like the little fireside chat that they had with the creator of the Shade Room? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, forget her name now. 
um, please tell me something constructive came out of that because I feel like there's not much constructive activity that the shade room puts out there. So tell me, tell me about, tell me something good about that, bro. Yo, it is someone fulfilling a need at the end of the day. It okay. is someone paying attention to our culture specifically. That's one thing I appreciate about the shade room, despite the fact that it's media takeout was doing it. All you know, what I mean, like there were plenty of other media takeout. You remember that? About media yeah, takeout. you remember that? Shade room put media takeout out of business. Yeah. Or I mean, I'm sure they're still out there, but she they, took them out. But she, they're definitely not. They're not making the money that she's making. Mm. You know what I mean? When it comes to black culture specifically, despite mm. the fact that she's making her money off of whatever, whatever, whatever aspects of it. At the end of the day, she's it, the Mona Scott Young of Instagram. Mona Scott Young. I'm not familiar with that name. The producer of Love and Hip Hop. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. good. So okay, you know what? I don't find any difference between that and like opening up a plant in Missouri and having these people work for twelve dollars an hour for the rest of their lives. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's white or black people, because that's what white people do to other white people. You know what I'm saying? They're not looking for the quality of life for their people just because it's their people. Like, nah, y'all, y'all, y'all need this. All right, cool. I'm gonna give you this. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give you good working conditions. Somebody I'm not gonna give has you anything. to do it. So I need, I yo. If you somebody gonna me, has to. If you gonna let me use you as a battery? You are gonna be a battery. In my, somebody in my, has to exploit this. Somebody's tap gonna be exploiting. Tap anybody. into our That's lower vibrations. Huh? No, it's not we even gotta, that. We, Just we tapping into to. your need. Tapping into your need at the oh, end of the day. Oh man, we, we we gotta have that. We gotta have somebody tap into our lower vibrations. I don't know about all. I don't know about all that. It's not. It's not necessarily tapping in, but it's like yo. People have to be used. I understand, like the drug dealer and and drug consumer relationship, is like. Someone's gonna capitalize off this person. Somebody's gonna sell these people to Somebody's these, to these Europeans. These. The, the Portuguese are coming in here. Someone's gonna do it. Somebody's got to do it. Yo, have you watched somebody's Top gotta, Boy? Somebody's got to help the, the the slave trade continue on. Somebody's got to do it. It's 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 what it is. It is what it is. It's what it is. Damn. What bro. what what? Damn. Oh, where are you? If you're if you're Ooh. if you're in an entrepreneurial, you're either a slave, <laughs> or you're selling the slaves. At the end of the day, you have to really, it, of course, it's not. It's there's there's always nuance, it's but profound. whatever you have to do, you're gonna have to. I'm not gonna say exploit people, but you're all you're also not going to pay. Whenever you get your own business running, and you get things going, the person that's gonna be like doing your janitorial services might be a dope fiend on the street, right? You're giving that dope fiend enough money to be able to live, whatever, to do whatever they're gonna do. They come to work every day. I can't afford to pay that person. Twenty dollars an hour. Although I want to give my people a, a a particular quality of life, I'm still gonna have like, yo, I can't afford that, so I'm gonna use this dope fiend to to wash my car. I'm gonna use this dope fiend to. Well, I'm not. Clean I'm not the, gonna judge somebody based upon um, what they do outside of work. As far as like, if they're working for me, I can't. I can't. Yes, you will. What are I you can't, talking about? I can't. A control. dope fiend? What are you talking about? You're not gonna judge somebody based off what they do outside of work. What? Well, for, first Someone of that goes. What? What? First of all, you, come on, man. First of all, your your illustration. I'm trying to respect your illustration because it's is pretty outlandish. But I'm just trying to I'm trying to play in with it. How is that? Okay. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hire a dope fiend to be my a dope. First of all, who is a dope fiend? You don't you don't know you don't know any no, crack fiends. No, I'm fiend? just saying. Come on, man. Like this. Is, no, I, I okay. If you don't, you don't. But I come from a place that yeah. I get it. I, I lived in Houston, whatever, and it's people on meth. I I, I get what you're saying. But what's outlandish about that example? Because why would you hire a known dope fiend as a as an employee? Because they're you, not reliable. You're not going to hire that person. I'm going to hire somebody that's a, a better candidate for that job. 
I'm not hiring a dope a known dope fiend. Dope fiends but, are reliable. But reliable, reliable to steal from you. That's why you keep them of course. No, so I'm just gonna hire but anyway. Okay. Okay. You, you see how problematic. So, so, but so, how problematic. Saying, <laughs> what, so if you could if you can only afford to pay somebody ten dollars an hour. And if that's what the position garners, that's mm-hmm. what the position garners. Mm-hmm. And so what, what quality like what, of person what, would what you person be able is to hire, hire for a, position? A, janit- a janitor for thirty dollars? That's just not what janitors go for. Right, right. I, I understand that. But that's- I mean, you hiring somebody for a quote unquote minimum wage job is not because we were talking about the shade room mm-hmm. and someone tapping into someone's everyone else's lower vibrations and feeding that. That is different than hiring somebody to clean up. That's not. It's not. Those. That's a straw man argument. So we don't. We don't. We don't need to do that. I'm just. Let me. Let me. Talking give, let about me give you the correlation. How unconstructive the shade room is. Someone making money off of gossip. And, just so you're lower, knocking black low, business. So yeah. now you want black business to first only of all, be over black, here. First you don't of have all, to yell. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not yelling. First of all, it's not about knocking black business. That's not what I'm doing. That's what you're I'm, doing right now. I'm talking about the shade room. You're knocking a black business. If someone is selling slaves and that's me knocking black business, then yes, yeah, say that I'm knocking black business. That's not that's not that's no shame to me. But are they selling slaves? No, I'm I'm just saying if it would if you call something black business just because a, a black person is doing it, if if a black person is doing some fuck shit, then I'm going to call it what it is. I don't care if you're black. Right, right. If you're exploiting my child or if you're doing something doing some harm to my child or to my people, mm-hmm. I don't respect you. Okay. And so yeah, if that's your if your business is harming people, okay. Then yeah, fuck you, nigga. <laughs> like I don't care, bro. So if she, if someone, if someone is in on the west coast of Africa and they're selling Africans to to the Portuguese, I'm knocking that quote unquote black business. Okay. Now, so if, you're also if she, comparing she, no, yep. slavery to the shade room. I'm. I'm. You talking about me and a straw man argument? Like, come on, bro. Give me something that's a little more on that same. Level. Okay. Well, then, well, let's, let's well, let's not create any side arguments because you're the one that created analogy. a side argument or that analogy. You didn't let me finish because I would love to be able to correlate this. You. I would I love was, to, we're talking about exploiting <laughs> people. Talking about, we're talking, talking about, about exploiting people. No, 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 so no, no. So the shade no, no, room no. is exploiting you, people. I was and talking and about exploiting a, people and hiring you a dope just, team. You were just talking about giving somebody a job. No, no, no. I was talking about giving a crackhead a job because you, as a business owner, cannot pay somebody a little bit more. So you're exploiting that crackhead because that crackhead is the only person that will work for ten dollars an hour. So that is exploiting no, that. No, that's that's not true. That's not true. There are a lot of people that will take minimum wage jobs. There are a lot of people that will take minimum wage jobs. Okay, well, if that's the case, if that's the truth and that's the reality, you don't have to create this this scenario that doesn't apply to that situation. There are plenty of people that will take minimum wage jobs and work at Walmart what if you and work can't at McDonald's. Some, what if you whatever. can't afford to pay somebody minimum wage? What if you're you're a fledgling business? Then then I'm going to go out of business. If I can't afford to pay somebody to do a, a certain task and that task doesn't get done, eventually I'm going to go out of business. So you wouldn't pay somebody sub-minimum wage in order to get a job done so that your business could work because you're in so the are beginning you, are stages you saying, of a business. Are you, are you asking me to break the law? What does that have to do with the shade room? So, again, exploitation. Exploitation is a is a part of capitalism, is it not? What? First of all, why are you taking is – are you trying to do the red herring thing that you told me about? Talk because about something that has nothing. I'm talking about the shade room. Now you're trying to make an accusatory situation of me, some hypothetical situation. I'm talking about a real life situation. We don't have to talk about hypotheticals when we have a it's, real life it's situation. Analogy. It's analogy. It's hypothetical. 
It's hypothetical. It hypothetical is what is. What if? An analogy is this. You're, you're talking about what if. So let me tell you about <laughs> exploitation and show you the similarities between the two. Let's just exploitation talk about the shade room. with the shade room. Exploitation in the shade room is just like exploitation in any other business. So why are you knocking the shade room because they're exploiting when most business in capitalism is about exploitation? How much how much is your mortgage? Is that exploitation? How much is if no, you were to not. rent out no, if you were to rent out your room? It's like it's My not mortgage is exploitation because of the 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 value of what you have based off somebody else's numbers. That's not they're not exploiting you for profit. No, that's that's the market. So the market is not exploitive. So you have control over how much you can pay, how, how much your, your I, mortgage I is? I agree to what I pay. But you don't have a choice. Yes, I do have a choice. What are you what, talking what about? Is your I choice can sell when my house to... if I don't like my mortgage. That's not selling it. But if you wanted your mortgage to be half of what it is, you don't have, you don't have a choice of finding a lender to be like, no, I only want to spend this much so I can save this much. The exploitation is everyone is no, going to be able to give. that's not how that works, bro. Okay, okay. Are you a homeowner? So we're not again. It doesn't. Oh, oh but I, are you are you a homeowner? What does that have to do? Are you with speaking me from talking? experience? I'm speaking about education. I'm speaking from education. Okay, I'm speaking from experience. What what is the difference? Your your education and... does not equate to experience. So you're talking about something that you don't know. So I'm talking about I I lived with a mu- what do you <laughs> see? Th- at you're this talking point, you're talking about point, something that you have defend, no experience. You're talking. I I have plenty of secondhand experience when it comes to home ownership because I lived with two people. That have had homes for a very long time. I see exactly what a mortgage is. So how are you telling me I don't know how to do? I don't know what mortgages are. Relax, bro. No, at just, this just, point of the conversation, this is okay. where you start getting defensive, and this is where you're like, as soon as we started talking about, you didn't, you still never let me finish my exploitation analogy, right? So when you were like, that doesn't make sense. You never gave me an opportunity to say that, and then from there it just snowballed into this right here. We do Bro, this a lot. I keep trying to talk about shade room, and you keep taking the conversation into different directions. Now we're talking let's about talk, a mortgage. Let's, let's talk. Let's get back to let's get back to the shade room. And let's <laughs> let's just talk to, about the shade room Explo- and exploitation. Let's do that. Shade room <laughs> and exploitation. There are two things that there are two things that <laughs> are very a mortgage. <laughs> All right, never mind, man. Let's move on to the next <laughs> subject, man. <laughs> like this is it, it's fun to see. It's fun to see like the de-evolution. I can't wait for us to listen back to it. Because at one point, you'll be able to hear the correlation that I can make between the two because both of them have to do with exploitation. Both of them have to do with exploitation of people that may be looking like you, especially when it comes to capitalism. But you're not seeing it, so I don't even want to like take it there. I'd love to be able to move on to the next subject if you have it. No, bro. Go ahead. Get it off. No, no. I would love to be able to move on. We to don't. The next I mean, this, this is it. We are, okay. We're in it. We're in it. So I'm, let's, I'm, so let's I'm done it. with that part. So lead us. Lead us, my friend. <laughs> Back to the shade room. If 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 we can go back there, can we go back there? I'm 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 following your lead, man. Okay, so we were talking about the shade room. I'll just tell you why I don't rock with the shade room. Forget the shade room as a company. We're talking about companies and black businesses. No, once again, <laughs> what I'm you said you want me to lead, and now you're trying to mm-hmm. stop me for what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> you see you see where you see where the disconnect That's, is. I'm at? quiet right now, so move on. All right. So once again, I'll tell you why I don't rock with the shade room. So, once again, the shade room does nothing constructive for black culture. So you have a black person, it don't matter who it is, with this situation, because not only black, everybody does it. So if, if you're tapping into the lowest common denominator, the lowest vibration of black people, of your own people, and you're using that as a business model to make money off of that, 
when there are much more constructive things you could do, I don't respect it. I don't respect somebody making money purely off of gossip and ratchetivity. If your if your business model is gossip and ratchetivity in in America for black Americans, to me, that is trash and I don't respect it. That's how I see the shade room. So it's not about I have to blindly support black business because there's someone with black skin that isn't that is in business. To me, that's foolish. All business ain't good business. Mm. So just because you're black doesn't mean I have to automatically support you. But knowing where America is, knowing what America has, what options black people have in America, right? We have plenty of options. Plenty of options. Plenty of opportunities. That's why there are how many black billionaires. That's why there are how many black millionaires. Do you know how do you know how Shade Room spends their money? Despite the fact that they're taking the money and making their money in like less than ethical ways, do you know how they're spending that money? No, I don't. So what if that person, total to, hypothetical, what if those people are sending 20 kids to college, a thousand kids to college. Would that mm. would that make that business worth it to you? No. It still wouldn't make it worth it to you. No. So when you see so when you see the shade room owned by somebody else, right? To be expected, right? Of course they're gonna make money off of black people, right? Would that would that um would that upset you any? What? If the shade room was owned by, let's say, an Indian person. Or started it's still by trash. an Indian person, right? Yeah, it's trash whether it's owned by Indian. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Right. It and doesn't matter who's no, no, owned. No, no, I totally understand what you're the saying. What I'm asking you is, of black people what is, I'm asking is, you is, trash to me. is it worth it if that person, that person's definitely not going to be sending a thousand black kids to college, right? Or let's just say backpacks for school, right? Let's just say black people are going to be doing it. The, the exploitation is going to happen regardless. Someone's going to come up with the shade room. Would you rather not have somebody that's going to come up with the shade room look like you because they're sending money to your community versus somebody else that's not giving that money to your community at all? Are are either of those no. better than the other? No, I'm not looking for a handout. It's you're you're not looking for a handout. Yes, that's what I said. I'm not looking for a handout, and I'm not looking for my community to be able to thrive off of handouts. Where is the handout? That's what you're, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about somebody taking money and giving a few trinkets to a few people in my community. Hey, give out some turkeys. Give out some backpacks. Uh, my first, my I'm first not, example I'm, was I'm sending not people to college. Would that be would that be worth it at all? For that business model, no. What do you mean for that business model? What we're talking about, we're talking about the shade room, right? Oh, so okay, so exploitation. Are we, are, are we still talking about the shade room, or are, we, are you talking about something else? Are we on a different page? Do y'all y'all hear this, right? Like, what else could we be? No, because because right are you are you are you purely listen, talking about exploitation? Listen, or are you talking about the shade room? Y'all, I'm. We're talking about <laughs> exploitation. Via I wasn't. The, I wasn't. I, w- I never talked about exploitation. You, I was talking you about are the telling shade me room the, specifically. The whole thing. That exploitation you just, is broad. All right, go go ahead. Exploitation is broad. We're talking about exploitation within the confines of the shade room. The whole reason you just said you don't respect the shade room is because they're exploiting the black community. I never said that. Oh, my God. You've never said that. Please stop the tape so we can rewind and listen to it. I did not say they're exploiting the Please stop the tape. I never used that word. You didn't have to use the word to be talking about the same concept. Oba. It's the same concept. Oba, you're you're trying to put words in my mouth. It's a word that is describing why you do not rock with with the shade room. Oh, but relax, bro. You're, oh, you're trying to put words in my mouth, bro. I never said exploit. 
Exploit you, is not you a bad said word. You the same thing three times. No, what I, I'm I telling never you is said You exploit, are describing bro. what exploitation is. No, no, you no, are, no, 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 no. Exploitation has, there's, there's many different ways that people use that word. It can be used negatively and it could be used positively. I never used that word. Please. You use that word. You just told me. That you do not rock with this shade room. Tell me why you don't rock with the shade room again. Maybe I gotta I tell you it. again. Maybe I missed it. I gotta tell you for the third time. Maybe I missed it. Please. Oh man. Once again, they tap into the lowest vibration of black people. Lowest vi- tap into the lowest vibration of the black lowest people. vibration. Okay. The dullest, most simple, childish, ratchetivity type. Of entertainment for profit. Yeah, it's it's a business. Okay. okay, and so they tap into that and create a business model based upon the lowest common denominator, the simplest, weakest, most ratchetest type content, and they feed that to our culture. Mm. I don't care who is doing that, black, white, Indian, or otherwise. I don't respect it, and I don't rock with it. Okay. Now, what do you have to say or respond to that? I don't have anything to say to okay, that. Okay, so now, the word exploitation. Let's let's talk about that because sure. you keep bringing it up. You're inferring that that's what I'm thinking. No, no, and that no, and no, that no, I'm not, not that I'm thinking. talking about what exploitation. You, okay. that, that yes. Okay, yes. so you're inferring that I'm talking about exploitation, mm-hmm. and I am not saying that i'm not even using that word because tell me the difference if you don't mind without having to look it up exploit no well in my mind because i, I want to be clear about this so that we're both talking because like when you say right. exploitation and i say exploitation so before you look totally it up i would love to know what you are thinking about exploitation before you look it up so exploitation is simply utilizing exploit to, to exploit is to utilize someone or something in some type of way you can utilize someone or something in a good way you can utilize someone or something in a bad way there's a good way to exploit it to utilize to me the way in my mind exploit means to utilize so i can utilize a knife to cut some steak or i can utilize a knife to stab you but i'm utilizing the knife let's let's move away from Utilizing, so, so, but, so but listen, you I'm just, I'm just telling you, good and exploit bad. Yeah, you can, can exploit well, or like f- you can exploit positively. Yeah, for sure. Would you give me an example of positive exploitation? Um, I am. Let's see. I am exploiting. Let's say I'm I'm exploiting my son's talents, and now he's actor on the Disney channel. Mm. So my son is working for Disney and it's up to me to be able to allow him to work for Disney because of his immense talent. Mm. Disney recruited him. Hey, we, we want, we want your son to act in this show. All right, cool. I'm going to exploit my son's talent and put him, put him to work. Mm. So I'm utilizing his talent and it's, and I'm the, uh, I'm the person responsible for him doing that. Mm. So I'm exploiting my son for that reason. Now, that's not a bad thing, allowing him to start his acting career before the age of 18, but it's up to me. 
And so when you say you're exploiting it, are you receiving funds or is your son receiving the funds? We're both receiving fun, receiving funds because that's that's my son, and I gotta pay for everything. I gotta manage the money because I can't let a ten year old manage the money. So yeah, I mean yeah, for sure you could put definitely could put it somewhere. But that's a that was a really interesting um, example. So that, and so that's why I kept pushing back and you saying exploit because I don't I don't see exploit as a totally negative word. And I could I could be wrong with the definition. Okay, please, will you will you give us a definition of just exploit or exploitation? Definition of exploit. Hmm. The first one that comes up to make good use of something completely. Complete exploitation of your resources is the key to accept, to success. So to make good use of something mm-hmm. or to take advantage of a glitch or game mechanic or game mechanic to gain an advantage that is not allowed per the terms of the use of a game. Okay, that's a different thing. That's a game. Um, another one. Make full use of and derive benefit from a resource. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, make full use of and derive benefit from a resource. Mm-hmm. Now there is another. There's a negative way of using it. The verb exploit means to use someone or something usually selfishly or for profit. Mm -hmm. So there's a selfish way to use it. There's a constructive way to use the word. So it sounds like the constructive way is when you're using an intangible. Making full use of and derive benefit from a resource. A resource, right? So like um, when we're talking about people Mm -hmm. versus we're talking about a talent, right? So I guess my, 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 um, my, separation between those two is yeah you have a talent exploit your talent for whatever you're going to do that for Mm -hmm. when you're talking about people and you're talking about unfairly using something is that not an example of exploitation like whenever you're saying tapping into the lowest vibration that sounds to me and i'm sure to several of our listeners Mm -hmm. that you're saying this is unfair or what are the unjust or this is um, this is a negative outcome, dubious manner, whatever you want to call it, right? So this is the reason you're not you don't like the shade room, is because of their of because of their uh, business model mm-hmm. of if you're not going to call it exploitation, what would you call it? You're saying tapping into a lower vibration. I I'm trying to go along with you with that word because I would I, say I understand I energy say, and all it's that. Just, it's but just, I would love to kind of know where you mean what you mean by like if you could give me just a more like uh, I would say just a taking advantage. It's like, uh, it's like tapping into the black people's own self destruction. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's nothing constructive that comes from gossip, mm-hmm. but you make money off of gossip Mm -hmm. there's nothing constructive so it's if it's not constructive it's destructive Mm -hmm. that's that and that's how i see it so that's how i would say it's it's destructive gotcha selling gossip 
Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, man. Thank you for sharing that uh, that perspective. So I would like to know your perspective on the shade room. Um, I think that it's a it's a business that is taking advantage of something that is inevitable in our culture and in our system, just mm-hmm. like Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are monetizing it and hopefully using that money for, um, you know, bringing that money back into the the diaspora. What if what if they're not? What if they're not? Well, at the end of the day, I would rather us if exploitation is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I would rather us exploiting us than anyone else exploiting us. Why? Because that money stays in my that's money stays in my community and has more of a chance to touch black hands than it does for any other community. If those black hands are are um, set upon your destruction, what's the value of that? Because you cannot control what people do with their resource. But what if you know what they're set out what what they're setting out to do? It, it what I know is that thing is going to happen regardless. Mm-hmm. That is going to happen. So I would rather us have a piece of that pie, no matter what it is. Because at the end of the day, a part of the destructive pie. Part of the destructive pie. Mm-hmm. Because you can still use good for bad, you can still use bad for good. There is no such thing as like good or bad. At the end of the day, you can see um neighborhoods. Look at look at South Miami, look at Liberty City. Cocaine did a lot of destruction. Cocaine did a lot of construction for that city. Um, there are a lot of there are a lot of people of color that made a lot of money. A lot of people of color that there are a lot of lives that were destroyed. At the end of the day, that exploitation was going to happen. So at very least, I want my community to have access to those funds because through that you can come up with, you know, uh, the Rose and uh, Rose and Harlem analogy or the Phoenix, whatever you want to call it. There are more. Uh, there are more chances for those for that income to touch somebody that looks like me in a positive way than not. And I would if it's going me, to happen. Tell me how that's worked out in history, though. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you mean by like, like the the um, the drug the drug trade and and cocaine and all that mm. and what it's done to black communities. Like, tell me where it's ended up. 2000s has there been a situation that you have observed where the drug game the crack epidemic has positively has done more good than harm no to us i definitely won't say it's done more good than harm but i also firmly believe that the crack epidemic was going to happen regardless there Why? Were, it was it was manufactured by the government. It, w- it didn't have to happen. No, no. It was going to happen because it was manufactured by the government. The government needed money to go to Central America, right? And in order for them to send money to Central America, they had to pump drugs somewhere. They chose a very specific part of the country to pump drugs. So that was going to happen, whether we were a part of it or not. Would you agree or would you disagree? When I'm talking about the distribution, I mean that's 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 really tough to say. Um because then we have to get into the reason why they were trying to get into Central America and the reason why they didn't want to use their own money. I don't I don't know why they didn't want to use their own money and why they wanted to use drug money. Oh, I could tell you because Congress stopped funding it. If it was Reagan or whoever it was, Congress stopped funding their uh, attempts mm-hmm. at supporting the Contras in Central America. So there had to be another way for them to for them to 
generate gold. Who income. said that there had to be another way? Uh, of the American government. Whoever was whoever wanted to destabilize Central America for American gain. So, so therefore, we didn't have to destabilize a Central American government. That was a choice that they made. It wasn't. Yeah, it sure. wasn't imperative that they had to do it. Right? Oh no, no. What I'm saying is that was. Now you're getting away from like the 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 our part in this, right? Black people's part in this. Black people have a hand in their own destruction, but they also have a hand in their own construction. So I think that. Um, if that part was, that part was inevitable. Again, America had what, its sights. America had its sights set on destabilizing Central America for whatever reason. America mm-hmm. wanted to be able to fund that destabilization with drugs. America chose a specific community in America to funnel those drugs into. So that was going to happen, regardless of like with black people totally unaware of anything that was going on. That was going to happen, right? What? What? What was going to happen? Selling drugs pumping drugs into specific neighborhoods, into our communities in America. So it, it had to happen in the black I didn't community. say it had to happen. It was going to happen because America decided that that is what they wanted to do. So now I'm at the point where I'm seeing this happen and I'm saying I can either step back, let them do whatever they're going to do, right? I always think about like the drug dealer's point of view. I listen to a lot of Griselda, right? And so I always think about it's going to happen regardless of Who's doing it? Mm-hmm. Am I going to get a piece of that pie to be able to better whatever I have going on over here? Because at the end of the day, a dope fiend is going to find his dope. A dope boy is going to f- sell his dope. So if I'm not going to be in the middle of that transaction to siphon some of that money off, just like all of these like tech companies that we're talking about, mm-hmm. I could kind of like create that same dynamic. This tech boom is happening, has been happening with none of our participation. And it's still going to continue happening whether we participate or not. So why not siphon some of those, some of that access to be able to pull it out? And that's where I think the shade room is. The shade room is going to happen. It's an inevitability. It happened before the shade room. It's going to happen way after the shade room dies. That will always be a part of this culture. So are you going to make a choice to say, yo, okay, um, what I'm, I'm thinking about like it doesn't Jay-Z. have to be a part but that's the thing it doesn't have to be a part of the culture it just is and people continue to perpetuate it because it's expedient for them to do so they can make money from it. it's easy money but it does not have to happen for our culture you're saying we don't have to be a part of it it's going to no happen. our our culture doesn't have to participate in gossip media at, at the level that they're doing that at. We don't have to do that. We but are it, doing it, but it, we don't have to. It will happen. The exploitation of black media is going to happen, whether it's black people or not. Would you agree or disagree with that? That's a broad statement. You're saying the exploitation of black media. All black media is not it's destructive. The, the exploitation... The, I'm talking about what Shade Room is, does is destructive. There is black media that is going to survive. Is Shade Room Room going to happen whether there's a black person there or not, starting that company or not? Do you think that that would have been a business that somebody picked up? There's going to be some gossip business. There's going to be some gossip business Mm -hmm. targeted towards America's number one export, black American culture. Would you agree? For sure. So, what benefit to the community that we're a part of? What benefit do we have by staying out of that business model? What what does it do to benefit our community? Say that question again. Staying out of the um, gossip business, gossip black people gossip business. 
Mm-hmm. If that person said, yo, you know what? This is a business model that's amoral. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Where does the benefit come? I would say the benefit would come from people taking a stand and then hopefully the people, enough people take a stand against that business so that other people don't consume that business. Because somebody has to set, set, attempt to set a standard or set an example for what we should do as a collective. So if, no, if, if our people don't set the standard and set an example of, as far as like what we should or should not allow in our community, then especially if you know better, if you know better, then you should do better. So if you know that we're better than this and we don't have to heavily participate in this ratchetivity, then stay away from it. Don't don't succumb right. to it. So where's the benefit? Where does our community? The, the benefit is. If if enough people stand against it, then that won't have a hold over our community and that business model will die no matter who's doing it because we change our values. And has that worked for us historically? It wasn't that that type of stuff wasn't popping off in the in the 60s through the through the 80s, like until the the black community pretty much got destroyed when all its leaders got destroyed during the revolution. Like when we was on our revolutionary stuff, we was together. We wasn't on that, you know, on that gossip and all that hating and all that, all that, all that stuff. It wasn't even it didn't even exist. That's a this is the the ratchetivity, <laughs> all the all that shade room type activity. It has for lack of a term, ratcheted up because of the de- the deterioration of the black culture and the solidarity among black people in America. And so because everybody is out for self and nobody really cares about the collective, it's just like, I'm going to do me and don't, you know what I mean? Like only God can judge me. And you know, it, it is what it, all that type of stuff, all that individualism that we buy into as if the individual is more important than the whole when the whole is more important than the individual when it comes to us because we're on that type of time then that type of stuff will thrive but during the days of mlk malcolm x elijah muhammad uh huey p newton fred hampton ain't nobody allowing that trash to circulate and be popular you sure no you're not sure i know no. you're not sure <laughs> because you No, i'm you saying can't. no i'm saying I, I didn't hear you say, are you sure? No, I am sure. You, you can't be sure. I am sure. How can you be sure about something? Because there that, was nothing like that that it, that existed at that time. You don't know that. You don't know if there was papers that were circulating through all these different nations or through through at, all these different places. At the level of the shade room? The shade room is, you, you, can you really how compare much, how much, the 60s yes, to 2020? You can, you, can, you can compare based upon a difference? multi-million dollar company. Yes, a super successful multi-million dollar company. Was there a super successful multi-million dollar company? company that was about black dysfunction was there a multi-million dollar black company in the 60s i don't know was there a was there a six-figure company was there a prominent company was there was there not not like the shade room was there what prominent what prominent company ebony ebony and jet magazine was a would you call that a million dollar and you don't think that that was gossip either it wasn't ebony wasn't gossip maybe not to the point of the shade room but ebony wasn't their version of gossip it wasn't. It wasn't the shade room. It was not gossip. Okay. Ebony. Um, Ebony was. It was. So you think it was that articles, not, not being a part of that culture, right? Not being part of that money making scheme, is beneficial to just say, "Yo, you know what? 
leave that for somebody else. We're not going to touch that because, you know, that's that's not what our community is. Bro, it's, it's not imperative that we participate in every part of society. But it is imperative that we generate wealth some way, right? Do you think wealth generation is important? Yeah, but once again, you don't have to generate wealth that way. I think that Black Americans. What's very the value limited. of that money? I think, uh, yeah, that, that's 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 a very good point. What's the value of that money, right? So I think that not having is worse than having, in my opinion, now mm-hmm. having, I guess, is like blood money, right? Um, if you if you get into contact with, I I, I go back to the drug game again. Um, I've I've been around drugs for a very long time growing up where I went to, growing up where I grew up, but I mm. didn't succumb to any of it. So I saw people succumbing left and right, and I think that that is an inevitability. And uh, whenever you have somebody that comes up, there is going to be a point where, I guess, whatever you do, you have to make a decision as to how far you're going to take it, whatever you're going to do, you know, who are you going to, who are you going to, quote unquote, take advantage of. There has to be, Black people don't have many options in this country. Right now, black people have more options of being millionaires than any than any other time. Black wealth generation is at the same place it was, maybe even worse than it was at, in the 60s, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so there aren't many avenues. So at this point, again, as a scarcity tactic, get it how you live. And I definitely am supportive of that. There has to be a way to use that money more um, effectively, right? Generating the money is one thing because the 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 Instagram fiends are going to be Instagram fiends no matter who is running the show. So if I can use that money um, for a community initiative, if I can use that money for X, Y, and Z, if I'd have been able to pull up like, oh, these are the companies that the Shade Room supports or sponsors or this and the third, um, she came and talked that Afrotech. You know what I mean? I think that she was a contributing factor to that to that organization as well. And I think that that has a positive impact. And I don't think that, that her positive impact at Afrotech would have been possible if it were anybody else, if it were any other phenotype, race of people, whatever you want to call it. Um, so that's just my opinion. I think that um, the ends do justify the means. And I don't think that's going to be for everything, but especially in black America in 2020, where um, black wealth is at an all-time low, um, black employment, all these different factors that are affecting this company, I don't, uh, this uh, community, uh, I don't think that there is a, a, a leg to stand on when it's just like, mm, no, let me say no to that, and I'll just wait on that to happen. Or let me, I'm sorry, I'm, I can't get my hands dirty with that because I have, you know, I mean, like this moral high ground or whatever. Um, I'll just let my kids starve and um, because I can't, you know, do the job that you're asking me to do. I think that get the money how you live, especially right now when you're in a when you're in like crisis, and hopefully you can use that um, to support whatever endeavors, whatever companies or whatever um, communities that mean the most to you. And I think that that is what the Shade Room is doing, for better or for worse. It's going to be done with or without them, and as, as long as they're getting it, let's hope that they're using that money more wisely, in my opinion, um, right or wrong. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that there's a... I, I, I totally understand the, my, uh, the... What do you call it? I to, The morality of it i totally understand that i totally understand all the things that the shade room represents about this and the third yes that's true but at the end of the day black people don't have many other alternatives when it comes to just like wealth generation so get it how you can and again the ends justify the means in this situation personally
So you did say like we have more opportunities now to create wealth, but then you then you ended it with we don't have many avenues to create. So do do you think that we do have more opportunities to create wealth nowadays or do you think we don't have many op- opportunities to create wealth? I think it's both and. I think we do have more opportunities than we had 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think that we don't have as many opportunities as many other communities in America specifically especially when it comes to um, banking, especially when it comes to getting loans, especially when it comes to um, people that have uh, wealth from whatever generation being able to say, hey, here's $10,000, go start a business. Mm-hmm. Here's you know $5,000, go here. <laughs> go, I'll pay your rent for six months, go to code school. Mm-hmm. I don't, we, don't have, we don't have enough people doing that for us. Mm-hmm. And I think a handout would be getting it from another organization a handout would be getting it from somebody who doesn't have your culture's interest at heart i think that's a, a handout would be oh yo you know what we have to have a state initiative because we need six percent black employment rate so we'll get you guys here we'll get you guys some classes blah 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 because that's going to make us look better i think that's a handout but somebody saying you know what i'm going to exploit an already exploited portion of our culture in order to fund an underserved portion of our culture. I think that is what the Shade Room is doing because you can see Cardi B. Cardi B is on all platforms. You know what I'm saying? Black or otherwise. So if a black person is doing something almost carbon copy to what a white organization is doing, get it, in my opinion. I'd much rather see black people supporting black people, even if it's for nonsense. If you want to be a dope fiend, go get your, go get your dope from... Go get your dope from a brother down the street. You're going to get your dope. Go get your dope from a brother. Yeah. Profound. Because at the end of the day, like, it's going to happen. Shade Room is an inevitability. Uh, Media Takeout came out before Shade Room. You know what I'm saying? And I'm I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see them siphon all those people from Media Takeout. And I don't even know who owns Media Takeout. I don't know who owns all these other companies. But I know specifically the Shade Room. Media Takeout black business? I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. I so, hope it is. Let's say media takeout is a black business. Okay. You hope that you're you're happy that Shade Room is taking media takeout's business. Oh yeah, uh, because again, media takeout's been out for almost twenty years. So you support black on black business homicide? Huh? Black on black business homicide? Yes. So if uh if one website isn't popular anymore and there is space for a new website and that unpopular website isn't making any of the moves that it needs to to be able to be relevant in an Instagram society because media takeout ain't on Instagram as, as as much as they don't have that they don't have that following they didn't get on top of the they didn't jump in front of social media I'm just I'm just trying to I'm just trying to use your own thinking direct it back at you and see how you yeah, so I'm answering you. Yeah. I'm literally telling you because media takeout wasn't um, making moves to stay relevant. Yeah, I would much rather a black business stand in its. No, place. I'm saying you, under the premise that media takeout was a, a black business. Yes, if media takeout was a black business mm-hmm. and they weren't making the moves to stay relevant, mm-hmm. I would want a black business to oh, take, take to over. take its place. Of course, I see what you're saying. Yeah, what would you? 
You already, I know, you already know my answer. But I mean, take it out of media takeout. Take it, take put it in any other scenario. Would I mean? Wouldn't you want a black business if another black business is failing it's to take its place? Scenario. We don't have to keep talking. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I, we definitely do not, man. So how do how do we coming off the heels of Afrotech? Um, how do black folks in tech, and even those that are not in tech, how do we get ahead of the waves that are coming like instead of them telling us to get on cannabis and everybody's already in cannabis and they've been on cannabis for five to seven years what's the what's the way that we can get ahead of don't ask me bro i have no idea did anyone at afrotech share like any upcoming things and not just pointing out the obvious no no that's one thing i was definitely lacking it's just yeah. like where could we look ahead mm and everyone was talking about like, yo, share your ideas. You know what I'm saying? Make sure you share your ideas with other people. But I'm sure a lot of people that were like forward thinking weren't sharing their ideas. Mm. So there is no like untapped um, market or, you know, place that we all need to like focus on. Or some of us needs to focus on anything like that. I we just, we don't know of any, un- we don't yeah. know. What I, it is. I wasn't, I wasn't encouraged. Right. No one there was like, like go, yo, go. hey. You know how cannabis popped off? Hey, this is the next one right here. I mean, besides, what what was it? That shark song? Somebody was like, yo, stop doing rap. Start doing children's songs. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know anywhere. I don't know any other untapped uh, source that mm-hmm. we could be that we could be led to. People still think that cannabis is on the rise and it was just like blockchain technology. You know what I'm saying? It was just like Bitcoin. If you didn't get in Bitcoin like early, Mm-hmm. By the time people were like souped about Bitcoin, it was already on its, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, on its last leg. So people still believe real strongly in blockchain. Yo, blockchain is the future. Like that okay. is the ultimate decentralization for sure. Okay. Um, but I don't know. There was no one there talking about that at, at a tech conference. I didn't. I didn't. There were a lot of. There were definitely a lot of uh, simultaneous talks. Okay. You so see. it could. There. I'm sure there was a blockchain technology. Okay. Like, yeah. Conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it it may it just wasn't as valuable as something else that may have been you know going on at the same time. I kind of have a little bit of information about blockchain, but uh, again, how do you get into an industry that you are kind of like blocked out of? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the reason why I think it's really important to kind of get into these infiltrate these white spaces uh, to be able to siphon this information out to be able to get access to whatever. You know, um, I thought Audios was really cool because Audios was doing a lot of like Chinese correspondence. Um, by himself you know what I'm saying like mm. he hired a Chinese like firm to go talk to Chinese factories mm-hmm. and then to be able to get his product you know what I mean like, assembled here assembled there assembled there and then brought all that together I thought that was a fantastic um, idea and like business model but that's definitely nothing new <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. that is that's not that's not you know ahead of the curve in any way that's just how it's supposed to be done that's just how it, that's just how it's done so uh, what movie it. was that frank lucas frank lucas went to vietnam to mm-hmm. get his poppy you know what i'm saying like straight to straight the to source, the source. Mm-hmm. so i don't know where else i don't know where, where to go i don't know why i wasn't pointed in any specific direction um but you know pay attention and one thing that i know about especially in portland is like there are just a lot of researchers out here so I know that there is a culture that we aren't a part of that is really, really intensely focused on research and discovery. And uh, I don't know how we access that. Yeah. Well, Socks and Sandals family, I want y'all to tap in. Let's talk more about the Shade Room, guys. 
Constructive, destructive, or it doesn't matter because it's a thriving black business. What do y'all think? You know, I want, I want to, I want to, I want to say like, do you know the number one killer of black Americans in America? Stress, heart disease. Mm -hmm. Heart disease is number one killer in black America. So if you're looking at, let's say, partners. Right. Or let's say uh, potions. You're looking at those menus. Does that have. Like, is that constructive or destructive for the community? The existence of food, certain types of food. Yes. No, it's no, no way. No, it's not destructive for the community. Okay. You tell, do you think it's constructive or destructive? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's um. I think it's it's great to see a black business, despite the fact that that black business may not be selling food that's healthy to black people. Um, I'm happy to see that. I'm happy to see a black business. Don't do that. Oh, why'd you why'd you ask the question? To to get well, your opinion. Where we unapologetically on. discuss our worldviews. To get How your do opinion you feel on about it? it. I just told you. So why'd you ask the question? Because I wanted to get your opinion. You For said what? it's not it's not destructive. I said, okay, I agree. It's not destructive. People are selling food well, that why be you, killing you, people. You brought up heart disease, right. and then you brought up a restaurant. Right. So what is a restaurant, what does that restaurant have to do with heart disease? Um, just talking about the food they sell. What about the food they sell? The food they sell leads to heart disease. Is a contributing factor to heart disease. Okay. So, So what does that mean? That means that that company is fine for you. I see you trying to play the fence. I don't. I don't. If you can't come to a deduction, I'm not about to walk you to your deduction. Come to your own deductions if you want to. No, if I'm not, not. I'm. I'm not going. I'm not going to to tell you, or not. I'm not going to come to a conclusion based upon the way that you're riding this fence. You're not. You're going to come to your own conclusions Pause. based on those. Two factors. I, I, I see what you're trying to do as you set up your scenario, but if you don't want to explicitly say it, then I'll let you, you know what I mean, relax on that. Oh, thank you so much. For thank sure. you for, for letting me. <laughs> <laughs> so, another question, Socks and Sandals family. Does the existence of barbecue and mac and cheese and yams and greens at a restaurant in a black community, does that add to the destruction of black people? I would love to hear your response on that. And I'll go ahead and put my full response out there. I say no because food is a choice. Anybody can go anywhere at any restaurant, at any grocery store to get the food that they need. So does the existence of cheesecake mean that I'm going to die just because it exists? No. Does the existence of macaroni and cheese ensure my death? No. Now, obviously, if I ate 
cheesecake every day, I'm going to have diabetes. If I ate fried chicken and mac and cheese every day, I'm going to have heart disease. But just the sheer existence of cheesecake and or mac and cheese is not leading to my destruction. Everybody has a choice. You can go to the chicken spot or you can go to Whole Foods and get a salad. Or you can grow your own food. Or you can go to the farmer. You see what I'm saying? You have so many choices. So that's that's my reasoning for my answer. But I appreciate y'all for listening. Hit me up on Twitter at Socks and Sandals Podcast. Hit me up on Instagram at Socks and Sandals Podcast. Oba on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. At Effable. Yeah, thank you. E F F A B L. That's it. That's it. That's really the only uh, social media that I've been on right now. I think, yeah. I think to kind of like develop my word usage, uh, I kind of stepped away from Instagram. Mm. Um, that dopamine hit is a real thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, I think that that is a real. I listened to a really interesting uh, conversation about there is there are no that dopamine hit is just like alcohol. It's just like gambling. It's just like all these other. Um, age-restricted addictions that um, people in America have access to or don't have access to. And social media is one of those things that we're going to look back for like 10 years from now. Like, how did we let 10-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 17-year-olds on this uh, unrestricted? So, yeah, uh, for me, um, I'm definitely taking uh, social media. Like, I'm limiting my social media intake. And, um, yeah, I'm trying to build those dopamine receptors back up for sure because they've, they've taken a hit these last couple of years. Man, that's a fact. With all these. This, this, these likes are a real thing, man. Mm. Just that, uh, that response is very interesting. The gift and the curse of social media. Mm. Something vicious, man. That's why I trying to keep my son away from having a cell phone but he's about to be in middle school it's inevitable he's about to start traveling on his own taking a bus taking the max so it's a crazy world and gotta have some type of connection you know what I mean he's, about to be, he's in fourth grade or fifth grade he's in fifth grade about to be in sixth you know, so it's wild crazy times man about to have an 11 year old man it's crazy but once again, y'all, it's the Socks and Sandals podcast where society, culture, history, and religion collide. And we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. Holla at y'all next week. Grace and peace.